This is a Media Lab podcast. Merry Midwinter and Happy Holidays. Welcome to Explore, a fiction anthology podcast that transports listeners to worlds that mirror our own. My name is Andrew G. Cooper, and I'll be your host. You're about to listen to a special bonus episode, A Krampus Carol by Andrew G. Cooper. There are things that lurk in the shadows of the western mountains. This is a retelling of an ancient midwinter tale with a new twist. Explore is a site-specific podcast series, but this episode is a special treat just for you. You can listen to it whenever and wherever you like. If you've joined us for our other episodes this season, thank you. If this is your first time listening, we recommend going to check out the others. Are you ready for a holiday story? Explore your world. Experience lore. seen you around these parts before. You're not from around here. Come to hear a story, have we? They all do. Well, if it's a story you're wanting, it's a story you'll get. Come, warm yourself by the fire. Cold night for stories. Cold indeed. The kind of cold that drips into your bones and makes your teeth shake. But I've got a cold story for just such a night. It was a dark time. A time of long nights when the sun didn't show its face for days or even weeks. You don't get cold nights like that, not down south here, not anymore. Look to the west. Look at them. The craggy spine of the world itself, rising from the earth like the dead rise at night. The mountain, see? That's where the things hide. And in winter, well, you know. You know. In the bleak midwinter, frosty wind made moan. Earth stood hard as iron, water like a stone. Snow had fallen, snow on snow, snow on snow. In the bleak midwinter, long ago. It was during just such a cold, dark time when Amelia walked into the shadow of their mountains. 
Snow fell on snows, but she pressed on, never minding. She was on a mission, see? A journey, you could call it. It was the night of the great solstice, and young Amelia had no idea what was in store for her, or how this night would change the rest of her life. Hours before, Amelia had been in front of a warm fire, not unlike this one here. She was gathered about it with family and neighbors. It seemed like half the village was crammed into the hall. Boar roasted over the fire, chestnuts roasting alongside it. The villagers drank their mead and sang their carols, giving praise to the turning seasons, to the start of the new year. The boar's head and hand bring nigh, bedecked with bays and rosemary. And I pray you, masters, be merry, as many as are in the feast. <laughs> But, all the while, Amelia's younger brother and sister were nowhere to be seen. And Amelia was worried indeed. They had all been told by their father some days ago that on midwinter night, a terrible demon from the mountains visits the villages of the valley. A thing that kidnaps and eats bad little children, their father had said. It comes to take children who are not good that year. It takes them in great black sacks, and it beats them with its switch, and it gobbles them up. <laughs> and you know what? The twins had not been good that year. No, they had not at all. They were the terror of the village, always in trouble, those two, and always playing tricks on friends and neighbors. Garyan often lied, especially when he was in trouble, and Leanna loved to boast, was excessively prideful. And if there's one thing the mountain things love, it's pride and lies, their father warned them. They are drawn to these like flies to honey. For you see, mountain things feed on such sins. Or at least that's what the stories say. A smile crept on Amelia's face as she remembered her little siblings as she plowed through the cold and snow. Twins, blessed by the light of summer. But twice the trouble as well. Step by step. Amelia trudged through the rising snow, pulling her thick fur hood around her as she went. But she did not wear the mask. She could feel it heavy in her hands, her fingers curled tightly around its large horns. Her gloves were thick wool, but she could still feel the cold biting her fingertips. There was something in the snow ahead of Amelia on the mountain path. There, between two towering ancient pines a footprint she hustled closer her heart beating savagely in her chest in the deepening twilight such a thing could be missed but yes there were more leading farther west into the mountains her legs ached from the cold as she drew closer and saw it wasn't a footprint it was the tracks of some animal a cloven hoof cleaved through the snow, cutting down to the ice beneath. There was a trail, 
and only one set of two legs, walking on cloven hooves, breaking up the expanse of white that covered the earth, even through the deep chill of the mountain air. A shiver ran through Amelia. Boo! <laughs> it's getting scarier now, ain't it? Well, you wanted a story. Is this what you were expecting? It's so often that people ask for truths that they don't really want to hear, hmm? So you want to continue then? Feeling brave? Very well. Very well. Let us return to Amelia in the warm firelight among family and friends, hours before. It's so wonderful to have such a lovely festival at such a dark time of year, Amelia said. Her father had let her drink a bit of his mead this year. The froth left traces of honey on her tongue as she drank it. It is because this is the darkest time of year that we must celebrate, her father replied. Bright fires, hot food, and good company are always needed when the winter grows cold. Spending time with those you love is the most important thing you can do during the long nights. You'll understand when you have children of your own, Amelia. Amelia nodded. She rarely thought of such things, but now that she was growing older, the thought fit in her body in a new way. This time of year is also when the things that live in the mountains grow bolder. You make sure to keep an eye on the twins tonight, you hear? They love to get into trouble. Amelia had always loved hearing her father's stories. It was a unique pleasure to be frightened and chilled on a winter night. But there was something grave in her father's voice that gave her pause. What was that? The twins! Where are the twins? Her father asked. Amelia ran to the door and threw it open. A wall of icy wind hit her as she peered outside. Drifts of snow blew into the warm hall. The sun crept behind the bony peaks in the distance. And through the falling snow, Amelia saw the fort's gates were open. Amelia, wait! You can't go out there! Her father's voice called after her. But she was gone. There, just beyond the walls of the fort, a dark figure towered over two small shadows. It was massive and shaggy, larger than even the great mountain bears, with two great horns curling from its bestial head. Even through the mist of the falling snow, Amelia could make out the thing carrying away the two little ones, Garyanne and Lyanna. No! She screamed, but it was in vain. The thing of the night had them now. The walls of the fort never go outside the walls of the fort at night. Her father had been telling them that for years, so why did they leave? Amelia scrambled through the snowdrifts towards the gate, wind clawing her exposed skin. And there, in the gatehouse, she could see something. The young men of the village wore them for the midwinter parade. A shaggy pile of fur and a monstrous mask with two massive horns. Amelia wrapped herself in it and ran out of the gate and into the night. And that brings us to where we started. Poor Amelia, trudging through the shin-deep snow, 
even with the furs and hood. Nothing could keep the chill that was grabbing her throat and heart now. An icy hand, cold as the far northern winds. Father had gone to get the others, but by then she knew the tracks could be cleared away in the wind. It would be too late. It always is. I have to press on. I have to follow the tracks. For Gary Ann and Liana, she thought. I have to get them back. This endless night, I saw a sight, a star as bright as day. And ever among a maid and sung, Lule, bye bye, Lule. Lule, bye bye, Lule. Even though her feet felt like blocks of ice, she stepped and stepped and stepped until she was surrounded by towering pines and the world was quiet and still, wrapped up in the snow and trees. Now, only the pale blue light of the moon lit her way in the cold and the dark. Amelia's breath coughed and froze in her chest. Her whole body was suddenly frozen, rooted to the spot as if the snow around her feet were cold iron. She clutched the horns of the heavy mask in her hands. The costume was supposed to ward off the evil things. That's why the young men in the village ran about with them. But suddenly, she felt wholly unprotected. Hello? I've come for my brother and sister. I've come to take them back. The tree sentinels around her didn't answer. The wind didn't answer. Something shifted in the darkness. Among the trees ahead of her, a hulking figure lumbered in the snow. Through the shadow of the skeletal trees, Amelia could see the thing's massive, curving horns like those of a giant night goat. I've come to make a trade for my siblings. You took them this night, and I wish to have them back. You've wandered far from your walls, the thing said. You are foolish and prideful. The giant monstrosity moved forward, one long stride at a time. Amelia's heart beat like a mountain drum. Its eyes reflected the dark light of the moon with malevolent intent as the creature bared its horrid yellow fangs. I've come for a trade. I wish to trade myself for my two siblings. Please, take me in their place. The thing stopped in the shadow of a giant tree. Its ice-crusted fur ruffled, casting snow to the ground as it shook its terrible head. Horns swinging like pendulums. Amelia could see now that it wore some sort of clothing, a ragged, torn cloak, and it carried a huge, dark sack. You are too old for my liking. The meat must be young, must be fresh. We feed only on children. 
Naughty children? Bravery welled up inside Amelia, unbidden, but welcome. Children who wander outside the safety of your walls, the thing scoffed. Where have you taken them? In answer, the thing stepped out of the shadows and into a sliver of moonlight. Its long bony fingers writhed like serpents, each ending in a black claw. A stench like rotting flesh filled her nostrils as the wind shifted. Its eyes. She could see now that they were as yellow as the thing's teeth. Drank her in. You are too old. But you breed young of your own one day soon. Promise them to me. Bind them to me. And I will return your two little ones. The beast towered over Amelia as it revealed its terrible yellow teeth again. A smile, Amelia thought. A smile for my future. The thing smiled so wide, it seemed to swallow the night. I have to say something. I can't let them be eaten by this terrible beast. All Amelia could manage was the tiniest nod of her head. She could smell the cave before she could see it. A great black maw on the cliffside. The now familiar stench of rotting meat spilled through the air. Amelia kept a careful distance behind the thing as it led her deeper and deeper into the mountains. And then watched. Her breath stuck in her throat as it wordlessly entered the cave and disappeared into the darkness. Amelia crept closer. In the mouth of the cave, a little fire crackled next to two great black sacks. Garyanne! Liana! Amelia! Her brother called. We're in here! We're in here! Said the voice of her sister. Amelia rushed to them, trying hard not to look at the bones and ripped clothing that cluttered around the cave and tore open the sacks. Upon seeing her siblings' faces, two tears streamed down her cheeks, twin teardrops running across her face. But the thing, the, the monster, her brother cried. It's okay. Shh. It's okay now. I'm here to take you home. You will never see that thing again. She took the twins in her arms and hugged them tight and led them out of the cave into the night. In the bleak midwinter, frosty wind made moan. Earth stood hard as iron, water like a stone. Snow had fallen, snow on snow, snow on snow. In the bleak midwinter, long ago. It was four winters before Amelia saw the thing again. Clad in the same furs and bearing the same mask from years before, she carried two little bundles of fur in her arms. She had given birth to twins that fall, 
Amelia found that very spot in the pale light of a half-moon. The abyss in the shadow of the mountains. She smelled that same gut-wrenching scent. Yellow eyes greeted her from the black of the cave mouth. A voice she could never forget breathed out of the darkness. Have you brought me what was promised? I see two delicious bundles in your arms. <laughs> twins for twins. <laughs> I see. I see. I've returned, Amelia said as she stepped into the mouth of the cave. To put an end to you with a flourish, Amelia threw the bundles at the thing. The empty bundles were not but fur. Her children were safe back at home with their father, who had pleaded with Amelia dearly not to go into the shadows of the mountains on this cold midwinter night. But she could not live as long as her children's lives were in danger. So she put on the great horned mask, letting its weight sink onto her neck and shoulders, and faced the monster who had plagued her nightmares for years. You dare break your bond to me. I will glut the maw of death until it is satiated with the blood of your family, your children, your siblings, and all you love will feel my fangs and claw tonight. As the great thing charged towards her, Amelia stood her ground firmly. The mountain beast came upon her, black claws, streaks of fury. At the last moment, she lowered her head and thrust her horned mask forward and <coughs> impaled the thing on the mask's great horns. <coughs> Blood spilled down its fur as it gnashed its teeth and claws, slashing at the young mother. Amelia lay broken by the trunk of a tree, her own blood spattered across the white snow. She watched as two hooved feet shambled through towards the village, a trail of blood in their wake, until her eyes closed for the last time and all became darkness. The next day, they had found Amelia propped against a tree near the mouth of a cave. They had followed the bloody tracks from the corpse of a monstrous fur-covered thing. A great broken horn lodged deep into its flesh. The thing had returned to the village that night, but only made it as far as the gates. Amelia did not return to the village or the safety of its walls. She had come with empty arms, and in her stead, she had left empty hearts. So, you wanted a story. That was many long years ago, and I was younger then, when father told me this story. I never forgot them. Not after all these years. And my father 
he never forgot either. And he never forgave our mother for that. So, you got your story. I hope it is what you were looking for. Merry Midwinter. And remember, do not give in to lies and pride. For when you let darkness into your heart, darkness comes for you too. Welcome back to our world. We hope you enjoyed this special holiday episode. Happy holidays to you and yours from the whole team here at Explore and Jupiter Theatre. A Krampus Carol was written by Andrew G. Cooper and directed by Constantine X. Anastasakis. It featured Melody Murray Hunt. This season of Explore was created and produced by me, Andrew G. Cooper. Skylar Desjardins is our production and technical manager. Sound design by Alexandra Kalman. Original music by Jonathan Lewis. And audio engineering by Kyle Marshall. Explore is produced by Jupiter Theatre with Media Lab YYC. This season is created and presented in Mokinstis, also called Calgary, here in Treaty 7 territory of Canada. We acknowledge the original caretakers of this land, and we also acknowledge the support of the Canada Council for the Arts. Thank you for listening. Merry Midwinter.